We're going to get our freedom. Can I have an amen on that? Anybody out there going to get some freedom? I am. It is time, 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 and I'm not going to slip any more time. Anybody else? Amen. Praise God. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Even a secular worldly song prophesies that we are to be feeding the children, that we're putting shoes on their feet, that we're to be helping the poor get housing, that literally the gospel, that as we get free, we set others free. And so today, God, I thank you that time is of the essence. I thank you, God, that you're continuing to say, it is time, it is time, it is time. Can everybody say it's time? It's time time for me to obey God. So, Father, you hear the hearts of your people, and I thank you, God, that today you're putting the shovel in the soil of our hard hearts, and, Lord, you're turning the soil over. You're making our hearts soft. We're going to hear your voice, and we're going to take serious the time and the hour in which we're in. So, Lord, today, I thank you for releasing a spirit of wisdom and revelation for us to know you more, that we are going to soar like eagles. We're going to mount up as eagles. We're going to run and not grow weary. We're going to walk and we're not going to faint. So, Father, I thank you that there is a people in this house that you have said to get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And there is a people. There is an army rising up. And so, Father, today, I thank you for the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit to come and break things off of our thinking, to bring revelation. Lord, I thank you for the preaching of the gospel, for the preaching of the word of God. And I thank you, God, it will not return void. I thank you, God, that today you have an action plan for all of us. You have a plan, God, through your word. You have a plan of who you are. And I thank you, God, that it is falling on great, great soil. And so, God, I'm going to trust you to go beyond the natural man of Eric Haley. And I thank you, God, that we're going to go into the realm of the Spirit today. And you're going to speak to our hearts. And I come against every distraction of the enemy. We come against everything that the enemy wants to try to do. And we say, no. No, in Jesus' name. No distractions. No thoughts going outside of what's going on right here. This is the appointed hour and the appointed time for your glory. And so, Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Praise God. It's going to be good. God is good. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. Over the last several weeks, and I know we've had different things that have uh, come in and we've done, and I think even Mike and and, um, um, Shelly did a great job last week of talking about how it's time, even with the trip that they did in Russia, and it's really... Um, you know, we're in a serious hour, church, and uh, I'm not trying to uh, to over-dramatize it by any stretch, but I don't want to also under underemphasize what God is wanting to do. And so I pray that the Lord will really help us today to really grasp what he's saying today. And he will, can I? He will. So, but anyway, first off, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. If you're a dad, wave at me. Amen. Happy Father's Day. God is good. He is the best father in the whole world. Amen. Amen. And if you're not a father yet, I pray blessings over you that you shall be in Jesus' name. Because having children is amazing. Like my Father's Day gift, 
I'm wearing it today, a little blue and a little purple. Amen. Thanks to my wonderful family. But happy Father's Day. You know, each of us, even when it comes to our natural fathers, we all have different views of our natural fathers. Even in this room right here, many don't even know their father. Their father has been non-existent, which is sad. Some of the fathers are passed away and gone. And each of us have a, a, maybe a, even a distorted view of even our natural father. I know my children have had distorted views of me. Because the enemy comes in and he tries to capitalize on events. And he takes the events of their young childhood and some of those things I actually did. And things I remember popping off. Abraham in the mouth and one time when he smarted off in the car, and I remember bloodying his nose. I mean, I mean I've done some stupid things as a father. Anybody else out there as a natural dad? I mean, I, my temper has went off like, a, like in, in, in a half a millisecond. You know, my temper has, has flown. And so we all, as natural fathers, have made some mistakes, and praise God for the blood of Jesus. Can I have amen on that? But, I, but I've seen through my f- children how they have, they've gotten freedom, how the opinion of, my, of who I am has changed over time as they've seen who I really am and how some of those lies have been chucked out and the enemy has, the lies have been rev- kind of exposed and they've gotten revelation. I'm, as my children get over, I c- become a better dad in their eyes. But I'm still the same person. And yes, we make mistakes, but all of us have a different experience with our natural dads. And I'm going to tie that in today, even though it's as it's Father's Day, because even all of us, because we've had distorted views of our natural dads and, and maybe some of the experiences we've had with our natural dads, sometimes those, those views get switched into how we view Papa God. And sometimes the distortion of how we see God gets distorted. Now, how many actually saw the movie Shaq? I know there is much controversy within Christendom of how people think there's so much heresy to that, that movie. And I just want to say there's so, there is so much more truth to that movie than any of the little minor things that if you see the movie, you understand why God came to this man as a woman at first in order for him to get a revelation of who God was because of the damage that his natural father had done to him in his life. He was actually able to see God for who he really was. So God came to him in a different form so that he could get a revelation of who Papa God was. And it was such a powerful demonstration of, of getting a revelation of who God is in that movie. And I really encourage you to go see the movie because, or rent it, because there's so many revelations of Papa God in that movie that you go, ooh, I need to see God that way. And even in the movie, the guy who had such bitterness and unforgiveness for his natural father is able to now see his father in a different light. And he's able to forgive his natural dad because what God shows him about his natural dad and what his natural dad went through as a child, he's able to have the power to forgive his natural dad as he goes through that shack experience and he gets liberated and he gets freed from the bondage of unforgiveness and bitterness in his heart. 
And if you haven't seen that movie. But today what I'm believing God's going to do is we're going to have a shack experience with God today. I believe God's going to unveil himself and we're going to see God differently today. Are you guys up for that? I believe God's going to change your view of God. You, by the Spirit, I believe today will see God differently if you'll engage your heart right now. I believe we all believe lies about God, and it keeps us from God. Those lies keep us from God. And so we, uh, we will never, as we're on this journey to live holy, as our mission statement, we've been talking about who we are as a people here, and we've talked about how, yes, we're raising up a radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God uh, from the next generation who will love deeply, who will speak truthfully, who will serve sacrificially, who will live holy, and who will go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit, calling all people to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. That's who we are as a people. Can I have an amen? amen. That's who we are as a people. And that part of living holy we've been talking about for several months now, and we've been talking about how it's time to live holy. It's time to obey God. There's, in each one of us, over the last couple of weeks, I pray you've been able to isolate what is the area of your life that God's dealing with right now. Hopefully you've been able to over the last couple of weeks, because it's important to identify what is that area of my life. It's time. Time keeps on slipping, slipping into the future, but I have got to arrest the time, and I've got to take serious the time that I have before me right now, and I've got to identify the area that God is saying, Eric, it's time for you to move right now. It's time to you get free here. It's time, Eric. It's time, and I can put your name in that. And hopefully over the last couple of weeks, the Holy Spirit has began to emphasize to you what it is time for in your life. It's time to obey. It's time to get free. It's time. And today I'm going to talk about how it's time and Goliath must fall in your life. We're going to go into the story of, of David and Goliath today, and we're going to talk about how in each one of us, each one of us have a Goliath in our life. Everyone in this room, you are not exempt. Everyone in this room, we have strongholds and we have things that we've battled with for years. And there's not freedom. And that Goliath, that giant stares in your, you, at, in your face. And I believe it's time to live holy in everyone even though every one of us in this place have a Goliath, God has a plan for your Goliath. That was a quiet amen. And so we're going to talk about, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to be able to read the whole account of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. Write that scripture down. I would encourage you to go read about the David and Goliath story out of 1 Samuel 17. But I'm going to paraphrase and I'm going to in picture form today. I'm going to unpack that briefly because we're not going to spend a lot of time there, but we are going to set the stage because your Goliath is much like this story. What it's time for you to obey God in is much like what it was for the children of Israel as they were in this valley of Elah. And there was a valley, we'll call this the valley, and we are in a valley of decision as people of God. 
Every one of us are in a place of making a decision of what are we going to do with this Philistine. And the Philistines were on this hill. Oh, you guys aren't Philistines, you're Israelites. The Philistines were on this hill, and you are the people of God. You are the Israelites. And there was this valley. And David was out tending sheep at the time. And the children of Israel, you're the children of Israel. And this giant of a Philistine comes out every morning as they're ready to make war. And he's nine foot tall, and he begins to taunt. And he begins to, to make accusation to the children of Israel, saying, Your God, who is your God? Come out, send me someone, and I will take him down. And all of Israel, in their seats, were scared of the nine-foot-four giant that is real. This is not metaphoric. He was a real giant, and he was a real intimidator. It's a real story. It's not a folklore. It's not a tale. It's a real story that took place thousands of years ago as an example for you and I of how we're to walk and what we're to claim and where we're to go and what we're to do and how we're to do it. So every day, the giant would come out and he would try to intimidate the armies of God. And he would taunt and he would say, who is your God? There was this little 15-year-old that came to bring cheese and bread to his brothers in the war. Now, I liked what Mike Brown said several weeks ago. If Joshua and the, and the Israelites would have done what God had asked them to do 300 years prior, the Philistines would have already been taken care of. They would have already been destroyed because what God had told them to do was to go wipe out all the evil. And I know we don't understand why did God allow killing in the Old Testament. We don't understand the righteous requirements of God. We don't understand the purity of our Father God in His heart and what He wants. We don't realize how much He hates sin. We don't realize how much it sin separates us from His love. And how much he loves us and how he longs to be with us. We just sometimes think as people, he just doesn't want us to have fun. Oh, but God, who is rich in mercy and abounding in love, he knew that the Philistines were going to destroy the children of Israel if they didn't destroy the Philistines. So if, if they would have obeyed God, it was time for Israel to obey God 300 years prior. But now, this this uncircumcised unrighteous giant was taunting and that's what the enemy does to you when it comes to your sin and your giant in your life he there ain't no way you're going to defeat me pornography there ain't no way you're going to come down fear and rejection ain't no way god ain't big enough depression fear rejection we can make a long list of the laundry list that each one of us deal with. And each one of us have a list. Each one of us have a giant that's staring at us in our face. And he's trying to taunt us. And you know, my story is this. I've seen a lot of Goliaths in my life. 
And you know what I found? Is the Goliaths in my life, they seem to change. As I get rid of one Goliath, all of a sudden I find another one popping its head up. Has anybody ever experienced that in your life? Or I get the Goliath and I slay him, and then I just get casual. And all of a sudden, whoa, uh, uh, you ain't coming back, big boy. You know, I've seen a lot of Goliaths in my life. My Goliath last year, and, and right now, you guys know, is my weight. And yes, 60 pounds is gone, but over the next five years, there's going to be a lot less of me because I've realized that the goal of losing weight is not over a year. That I'm on a journey, I'm on a marathon with my Papa God, and I'm going to conquer that stupid Goliath. And I'm not going to have my stomach stapled, I'm not going to, I'm going to curve the lust of my heart. And I'm going to destroy my Goliath that's inside of me. And so you know my weight loss issue. It's, it's, but it, God's saying it's time to obey God and Goliath must fall in Eric Haler. You know, my Goliaths in the past were the fear of man and people pleasing. My, my Goliaths in the past were my wife's health and not being able to get pregnant and being barren and having a womb that was, was shut off. And God, and God, opening the womb of my wife. And that was a Goliath that had to come down. Stage four, endometriosis. They said we probably wouldn't have children. That was a Goliath. And that Goliath had to come down. And it came down. We lost a child, a mis miscarriage. It was a Goliath. I've lost a brother-in-law to a tragic car accident. It was a Goliath. We've all had many, many Goliaths in our lives. Porn was a Goliath in my life. And it had to be brought down. And it had to bow to the knee of Jesus Christ. And I pray you men, if you're struggling with that area, you better get in that class. You better take that sucker serious. You better slay that giant because it's a monster that wants to destroy your marriage and destroy your intimacy with your precious bride. And so I've had all kinds of Goliaths, and they've changed over the years. And you and I both, we know, you've got Goliath. And everyone has a threatening Goliath in their life. And this Goliath holds you captive. It intimidates you with its taunts, its strength. We see its strength and we say, oh my gosh, it seems so strong. Its size is so, so high. How? I know when I was in the weight loss journey, it wasn't until the, 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 after the first week of being a biggest loser. And it was so hard. And I had blisters on my feet. And it was like godly sorrow hit my heart in the repentance and the godly sorrow of what I'd done to my body. It hit so hard. But I actually at that time realized that God was bigger. 
and that I could, I could, through God, I could do this. And that's a daily battle. Can I have an amen on that? But it seems so big. I had been so, so devastated with unbelief because the size of the monster was so big to me. And we all have an adversary or a stronghold that is crippling our ability to live a full and free life. Giants like fear. Giants like rejection. Giants like anger and rage. Giants like addiction. Giants like comfort and pleasure. They seem so innocent. <laughs> giants of financial struggles and health. And others, all these giants, they stake a claim in your heart. And before you know it, they gain such a foothold on your heart that they can last a lifetime. They can last a lifetime. Unless you choose to do something about it. It's time. It's time. Time to make a choice to bring Goliath down. These strongholds make us lose sight of the promise God has for our life. And we feel demoralized. We feel defeated. We feel hopeless. <laughs> we feel overwhelmed. <laughs> Boy, you guys are awful quiet. I'm such good news, aren't I? <laughs> we'll get to the good news. But I really want to paint a picture of how tasking they are. And how real the giants in our life really are. It's the giants that we don't want to talk about. It's the giants we try to sweep under the carpet. It's the giants that we try to hide behind. We try to keep them out of view. <laughs> and, the, and the silly thing is, <laughs> is we see each other's giants. <laughs> and you know they're there. I know they're there. <laughs> we just want to be in rebellion and keep them there. But God has a different plan. Can I have a man on that? Amen. See, God has a better plan for you. We don't need to settle for less than God's best. We don't need to settle for less than God's best. Because he has a better plan. He has a plan to live in victory. And God wants to silence your Goliath. It is time. Goliath must fall. It is time. Goliath must fall in you. And I need some people who will say yes to the dress. And they will get married to the bride. And they will present themselves holy unto the Lord. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. So if it's time for Goliath to fall, the question is, is how do we live as if the giants are dead and already silenced? See, one of the things that took place in worship today is we declared, I'm liberated, I'm a child of God, 
we talked about creation and we sang about the beauty of the universe and the beauty of all God has done. And the thing is, what I'm, and this is really point two, but I'm going to make it point one, is it's already been done for you. Goliath has already been defeated. It's already done. But we live in unbelief and we don't believe that it has been done. It has been finished on the atonement work and the power of Jesus Christ. And we know that truth. And we say yes and amen, but we live a different truth. We live a truth of the law of sin and death rather than the law of liberty and freedom in Christ. And today, God is wanting to change our paradigm. He's wanting to change our thinking. And he's wanting to take us higher. And I'm on for a ride for higher. Anybody else? And so hopefully today, you know your giant. If you know your giant, would you mind raising your hand? Do you know the giant God's wanting to slay in your life? Okay. How do we get there? How do we get there? If you don't know it, ask me, I'll tell you. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Because the first step is identifying the stinking giant. I'm assuming today you've got your giant picked out that you want to put the double barrel shotgun to and I realize that some of you it's like which one you want I mean let me take my shoe off one two three four and I'll count the doors you know I've got so many giants that need to be slayed in my life you know all I'm saying is Holy Ghost will tell you which one I say start there don't get overwhelmed you need help figuring that out just talk to Alger (laughs) he's a great prayer warrior he volunteered early this morning didn't know it so we know our giant so here's what I want to say is how do we get there are you guys ready for this and I'm gonna make a loud get your pens out get your notebooks out get your phones out I'm gonna give you a truth here Write it down because you're going to have to meditate on this. You're going to have to do something with this. You can't ho- go home and not do anything with this message. You got to poop or get off the pot. It's time. You don't get free on two hours on a Sunday morning. If you're going to become a pickle, you got to soak in the vinegar. You got to meditate, you got to chew, and you got to pursue. Are you ready for this? Do not focus on the size of your giant. Focus on the size of your God. That'll preach. Focus on the size of your God, not the size of your giant. The children of Israel were consumed By the size of their giant. Their eyes were fixed on the size of the giant. They knew how big his sword was. They knew how tall he was. They knew his uh, his armor. 
they knew how big he was. And I am not here to tell you to focus on your porn, your relation problems, your depression, your anger, your bitterness, your this or your that. Get your eyes off of the size of your giant and get your eyes on the size of your God. That will preach. Hallelujah. God's people, again, were intimidated by the size of the giant. Fear consumed them. And even in Joshua's day, 300 years prior to this, we see what was in the children of Israel's hearts when they went out and spied the land. They went out and spied this land that they should have destroyed. And they came back and said, we are like grasshoppers in the, to the size of these people. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, no, let's go and take the land. But the fear and the intimidation of what they seen with their natural eyes caused them to shrink back and become hopeless and demoralized. And they were already defeated in their own minds. Now, I'm telling you, I have talked to so many men who have struggles with porn, and I have heard over the years all kinds of justifications. And it is amazing how many men do not believe they can get free from that that garbage. Oh, it's every man's battle. Every guy does it. Oh, this, oh, that. And it becomes a... A, a, something that's played with and toyed with. Can I have any amen on that? They do not believe. They are under such deception. And we fall into the same trap of deception. The enemy tempts us. He intimidates us. He makes us feel like our issues of sin are so big and undefeatable. He seduces us into hopelessness. And we become defeated in our own minds and give up and give in to the taunts. Of the enemy. But again, this little shepherd boy had something else in him. And I, I really wish I could spend more time talking about David, but we're not going to. I'm, these, these things in our life, and I'm going to spend time here because I want to beat the snot out of this thing. Even when I was in banking, I loved what Shelly said last week don't waste your trial. Go to the trial. The trial is there to purify you and to make you more like Jesus. Can I have an amen on that? No, Jesus isn't sending you crap down the road. That doesn't how it work. That's not who God is. I'm not going mean, to, we're not going to go there. We know that, right? When I was in the bank, I would have people come to me, and they were in such financial chaos. They were in such bondage financially. I can remember these two teachers in Rushville and literally, they were in overdraft every day. Every day, they would get in overdrafts. Every day. And I pulled them into my office. I said, I want to show you something. You've paid over $10,000 to this bank in overdraft charges in the last year. Wow. <laughs> I said, something has to change. Yeah, $10,000. I'm going to blow the smoke up your rump. That really happened. And they came to me for consolidation loans. People wanted consolidation loans. They wanted, they filed bankruptcy. They did all kinds of stuff instead of facing their giant. 
They wanted me to give them a purple pill. Here, give me the purple pill. I need help. I'm drowning. I'm in financial chaos. But they weren't addressing the, the giant in the room. The giant was not financial problems. The giant was inside. The selfishness, the greed, the I wants were so big. Because lust and greed and selfishness had ramped up in their heart. And they were expressing it through their finances. Later that couple filed a bankruptcy. Later that couple got divorced. And the family was struggling. I remember a lottery renter down in Rushville. He won the lottery. But every year they were coming in to borrow thousands of dollars from me. And they would pay it off with their lottery winnings every January. Going through the cycle of their Goliath. Bondage. The giant was screaming at them. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But those who submit to the discipline of the Lord and who yield and take down the giant, great will be their peace and their righteousness. And so, it's like, are we going to take the giant down? Or are we going to keep feeding it? I'm talking to myself. I'm preaching myself happy. I'm bringing you to a decision. I'm bringing you to a conclusion. I'm saying to you, your Goliath must go. And how do I walk in this freedom that Christ says he's already given me? And there are enemies that rob you of God's best for your life, right? But the only Goliath slayer is who? Jesus. Jesus and I make a great team. If I put my hope in the size of my God rather than the size of my giant, that's the first step. I've got to believe. I've got to have a paradigm shift in my thinking about the size of my God in relationship to the size of my Goliath. It's remembering that, that God is your David. <laughs> You're not David. God's your David. And what I mean by that is David saved the children of Israel. David won the victory. And I know that David is a representation of Christ in this Old Testament story. And yes, you can be a David too, because we are all made in the image of Christ, right? And, and so we are giant slayers. And I would love to take you. I was going to go to five of the Psalms that were pretty sure that David wrote them. And I was going to go to, and I was going to show you through the Word today, of all the things that Dave said, David said in Psalms about taking refuge in God, about being with God, about making music to God, about making a lyre and a harp and playing music to God. I'm telling you, David in the desert was not just slaying bears and keeping sheep. 
David was a man after God's own heart, and he was a worshiper in the desert. He was a worshiper while he was tending sheep. He was a worshiper of Almighty God, and he had a different perspective about who God was because he was already tending the garden of his heart in that desert when he was shepherding sheep. He was doing something. He was mining a reservoir that's inside of him so that when he walked up to the valley of Elah and he saw what was going on to the children of Israel and he goes, who in the heck is that guy that defies the armies of the living God? For our God will deliver me from him right now. That's what David said. He said, I've got a God that's a whole lot bigger than that giant. If you want to see victory over the giants in your life, you've got to get a revelation of the all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And it's already been done, and the victory is about trusting in Christ and his power to bring freedom. There must be a paradigm shift in your thinking about Christ and his all-sufficiency. Everybody say all-sufficiency. He's my all-sufficiency. Christ is the only force that brings Goliath down. You cannot conquer your flesh with your flesh. You cannot conquer your flesh with your power. You cannot get pure through hard work. You cannot get pure through doing everything right and declaring every scripture and doing everything. It comes from God. Jesus is the giant slayer in my life. Jesus came to crush the power of sin and death, and he's already overcome the enemy. He's appropriated victory for me already. So let me ask you a question this morning. How big is your God? How big is your God in your mind and your heart? I think this is the view that some people have of God. If you can see this little army figure, he's got this radio and he's dispatching his commands to his army. And most of us see God, okay, daddy, I need help. And you think he's got a radio just tuned into you and you're asking all this Santa Claus stuff to get, and he's little bitty, but he's little bitty God. He's a little bitty God. He can't do much. Maybe some of you got a little bigger God. He's about that size. He's got a shepherd's cloak on. He's got a little bag. And God's maybe just a little bit bigger. And then some of you guys have God, and he's, oh, yeah, but he's this way. Yeah, hold on. That's my God. Isaac Brown wanted to know if he could play with him. And I said, hey, no, not right now, dude. I need him. That's our God. He's big, and he's the, but even that is not who our God is. How big is God in your heart? What do you believe about how big God is and what he's capable of doing? 
But even more importantly, what do you believe he's already done? I believe today God wants to change how you see him. I believe today God wants to change the way you see him. Your giant looks way too big. And your God is way too small. Several years ago, back in the 80s, Don Moen wrote a worship song. And here's the words to that song, and it's going to become our prayer as we move. Oh my press forward this is the this is the song we used to sing and karen heard me listening to it yesterday and she goes boy that sounds 80s oh yeah it is she didn't remember it i do i have made you too small in my eyes oh lord forgive me i have believed in a lie that you were unable to help me. But now, oh Lord, I see my wrong. Heal my heart and show yourself strong. And in my eyes and with my song, oh Lord, be magnified. Oh, Lord, be magnified, be magnified. Oh, Lord, you are highly exalted. There is nothing you can't do. My eyes, I can't remember the rest. Oh, Lord. Be magnified. But I've made God way too small in my eyes. We've all done it. Our giants make us feel like God cannot do what he says he will do. I'm going to have Jesse put up a couple scriptures because I want to, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I'm going to show you a few things on this that I know you've seen if you've ever heard of Louis Giglio and if earth was the size of the golf ball, you've seen some of this stuff. But again, I want us to get a picture of the vastness and the amazingness of our God. Can we do that just briefly before we leave today? If you wouldn't mind, put up the first scripture out of Romans 1, 19 through 21. For what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from His workmanship so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and darkened in their foolish hearts. 
And I know this is the scripture where Paul's talking about sin within our lives and how people have given themselves over to homosexuality and, 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 and adultery and lying and cheating and deceiving and all kinds of corrupt things in our lives. But he was making an argument that all of us, whether we've accepted Christ and come to him as Lord and Savior, all of us are without excuse because of the workmanship by what has been created by God. We are without excuse to honor him and know who he really is. The other passage is out of Psalms 8, 3 through 4. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? I just did a compilation of some pictures of your galaxy that we are in, and there's Earth and Venus, Mars, Mercury, and Pluto. I know you've seen this, but again, I want to remind us of how big our God is. Can we do that? Now look at the next one and look where Earth's at. The next part of our solar system and Earth is down on the far bottom left, and you're on that little round ball, all of us here, in an amazing way, and this is what God has created. And then we go to the next one. And we see these huge stars, and Earth is not even on there. Matter of fact, if you were able to see this little, little arrow down here on the far left, that is actually our sun, and it's one pixel. <laughs> Can't even be seen. Our own sun cannot even be seen on there. And the Earth is even smaller than our sun. And we think of, wow, go to the next one, the solar system. And we look out and we see, and most of us don't even look up anymore at the stars. We don't even look up at the vastness of the beauty of our God and see that our God is truly amazing. He's not any one of these. Plastic figurines that mean nothing. And then we go to some of the other seven wonders of the world. The aurora is amazing. If you've ever seen God display his glory in the sky up north let's go to the next one we see the magnificence of god in the grand canyon and you say oh 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 brian and sarah you went there last year what do you say oh i haven't seen it yet i'm praying to get there man are without excuse when you see mount everest have to ask me about the story about it mount everest and the earthquake that happened to not too long ago, and how Mount Everest fell two feet. <laughs> Asked my wife about that joke. Mount Everest and the glory of our God. The next one. Oh, has anybody been in the ocean and snorkeled? Have you ever seen the brilliant colors of our God and the creative how many fish and the beauty of our God? Go to the next one. Go to the next scripture. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. Men are without excuse before the creation, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
for the Lord your God is the God of all gods and the Lord of all lords. Go to the next one. We're going to make this kind of quick. Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. You are no longer of the kingdom of darkness, but you've been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. Does anybody get excited about that? That's who your God is. Not based upon your perfection, not based upon your performance, but based upon the king of kings and the Lord of lords. How big is your God compared to your giant? The next passage there, the righteous cry for help. And the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. <laughs> is there another one? No, good. I didn't think there was another one. And so I'm going to pray something over us. If we're going to bring down our giants, We've got to exalt our God. We have got to see God, and the size of your God has got to be magnified in your heart and in your eyes. I, I know, I've ra I, I ran through that right there. If you will, stand with me for a moment. I'm going to have the worship team come up. And I'm going to lead us through that song by Don Moen. And I'm going to pray. We're going to pray first here. I'm not going exactly where I wanted to go today for a reason. I have no idea what it is. But if you will close your eyes, I want us to repent and I want us to confess. Because I know in my own Goliath experience, I had made God way too small when it came to losing weight. And I had focused on the problem rather than the problem solver. I had focused on the size of my giant rather than the size of my God. And it is going to be through worship and exaltation of your God that you are going to slay your giant. It is going to be through God becoming larger in your heart and your mind And that working, its out, out, that working its way out through your praise and through your worship and your adoration and out of your worship. And if you don't like worship, if you don't like exalting God, if you don't like singing and exalting Him, you better start liking it. Even if you don't sing it, you better start magnifying your God and making Him bigger 
and you smaller and your problems smaller. And so I want to lead us through this prayer. If you would just repeat with me and make this your prayer, not anything else but yours and between you and God right now. Father, holy is your name. I love you. And I've got a giant. And I can't bring the giant down myself. I have made you too small in my eyes. Oh Lord, forgive me. I've believed a lie. That you were unable to help me. But now, Lord, I see. I see my wrong. Heal my heart right now. Show yourself strong to me. Help me with my Goliath. Heal my eyes. Let me see you for who you really are. And with my song, O oh Lord, I will worship you. I will magnify you. I will make you larger than my giant. Forgive me. I will magnify you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now, Father God, I pray for the people of God. Father, I declare over the people of God today. I declare, and I'm asking you, God, and I'm going to keep asking, just like Paul did in Ephesians 1, God. I ask and I keep you asking, God. Father, would you give this people a spirit of wisdom and revelation? Would you, God, open the eyes of their hearts to see how big, how long, how deep, how wide your love is and who you really are? Would you release a spirit of wisdom and revelation over the hearts of your people, God? Would you enlighten them? in order that they may know the hope to which you have called them, the riches of your glory and your inheritance in your holy people, God, your great power. I thank you, God, for breaking off every spiritual bondage, every every thing of wickedness. And I thank you, God, for bringing a revelation to the hearts of your people of how large, how big you really, really are. And that you are a good, good Father. You are amazing. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are the Ancient of Days. You are the Most High. You are Elohim. You are El Shaddai. You are Yahweh. You are Jehovah. You are Adonai. You are Rapha, Elohim. 
You, O oh God, are the self-sufficient one. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. You are the everlasting God. You are amazing. You're the beginning. You're the end. You are amazing. And you are exalted. So, Father, as we sing this last song, I pray, God, that you would bring a revelation, that you would download things in our heart. 